Welcome to this message from Alpha and Omega Ministries International. We value the Word of God as an instrument of growth in our lives, using it to mend our ways, align our thinking, and ultimately bring restoration. We trust that you will be blessed and encouraged by what we have to share. Let me remind you of our previous lesson and what we discussed and we will we will launch into our today's lesson which is actually a follow-up on what we have been looking at last Sunday. In our previous lesson we looked at the practical way of how to allow the Word of God or the seed of the Word of God to grow root in us so that during affliction or persecution, we don't get offended and back off from exercising our faith. Receiving the word, the way Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 through to 22 describes, enables the disciple to build a backbone in his resistance against the evil one, who of course tries to steal the word from our heart and thus render us unfruitful in the kingdom of our God. Let me briefly remind you of the prescribed way the Lord wants us to receive the word so that the word can take root in us and become strong in the Lord. The first instruction we we gave in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 20 was, attend to the word. We need to pay attention to what God is saying, meaning that we need to give the word first place in our lives. Then we are to incline our ears to his sayings. That means tune in and listen, actually listen to what God is saying. And then tune out everything else that does not agree with the promises of God in our lives. In other words, we need to develop selective hearing. The third instruction was keeping the word before our eyes that has to do with a single vision or a healthy vision. And finally, keeping the word in our hearts. If you have missed last week's teaching, I encourage you to go to SoundCloud and listen to it uh, so that you can get the full impact of what we taught. Today, we're going to focus on those who receive the word of God on a thorny ground. And because of the thorns, Jesus said, the word of God is choked within them rendering the word, of course, ineffective and unfruitful. And so I like to call this message dealing with thorny issues. Dealing with thorny issues. Let's look at uh, the verses of Scripture that we are, we are going to use as foundation for today's lesson. Mark's Gospel, Chapter 4. And we're going to read two verses, verse 18 and verse 19. 
Mark's Gospel, chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. Jesus is speaking, and he says, Now these are the ones sown among thorns. They are the ones who hear the word, and the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becomes unfruitful. Now, in this parable of the sower, Jesus explains to his disciples what happens when the word of God is sown in a field that is filled with thorns. He goes on to explain what these thorns are, and he lists three things. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. Here are three common enemies to our spiritual growth and development. Jesus said that if we are not watchful and allow these to enter our hearts, they will choke the life of God and render us unfruitful in the kingdom of our God. Now let's take a closer look at each one of these thorns and learn how to deal with them with the help of the Word of God. Remember, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things, Jesus said. And the first one the Lord listed here in his teaching are the cares of this world. What are these cares Jesus is referring to? Well, I believe these are the constant pressures and worries of everyday life, such as providing sustenance, maintaining employment, seeking education, building a career, establishing ourselves financially, performing social duties, and the welfare of our children, etc., etc., etc. These constitute the cares of this world. Now, these can be destructing, causing believers, of course, to ignore God and spiritual growth. Jesus cautioned us about these cares and worries in Matthew chapter 6, and we're going to look at Matthew chapter 6, verses 25 through to 34. Matthew 6 verse 25 through to 34, Jesus is speaking here to his disciples and he says, Therefore I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you, by worrying, can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they neither toil nor spin. And yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, 
O you of little faith. Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you have need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Jesus here took his time in teaching the disciples not to be over-anxious, not to stress, and not to worry about all of these things. But he said, if you will put God first and seek his kingdom and his righteousness, all of these things shall be added to you. Those things which the world strives for, cheats and steals and worries and stresses to obtain, the Heavenly Father will bless us with them if we have our priorities in the right place. Let me say this, this, if these cares are not resisted and handled in a manner the Lord instructed us to, they will grow in us and they will choke the life of God in our hearts. Whatever we focus on, whatever we spend our time thinking about and meditating about, our hearts usually grow sensitive towards it. But whatever we ignore or refuse to meditate on, our hearts grow hard against it. If we give room to these worries and cares in our minds and constantly worry about these things, what will happen is they will drop down into our spirits and ultimately will cause the word of God we receive to become ineffective and unfruitful. That's what Jesus taught. The Bible is very clear on what to do with these cares. And I'm going to show you what the Bible teaches concerning these cares and worries of life. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, I'm reading from the Amplified Classic Version. This is one of my favorite scriptures when it comes to these cares and worries. And I have learned this verse of scripture many years ago, and I can quote it to you off by heart, but I want to read it from the Amplified Version. First Peter chapter 5, verse 7, tells us what we are to do with these cares and worries and anxieties. Peter says, casting the whole of your care all your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and for all on him, for he cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. What a beautiful promise. What, what, what a wonderful instruction from the Lord. We are to cast these cares over on the Lord, and learn to trust the Lord with his cares. Just like a child rests in his father's care without any worry, without any stress, even so we are to rest in our heavenly father's care. 
Have you ever seen a child of four, five, six, seven stress about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear, what they're going to do? No, they rest in their father's care. Have you ever seen a bird that is stressed out? No, they get up in the morning and they sing. They praise God. No care, no stress. And that's what Jesus is telling us to do with his cares. We are to roll that care, that worry, that anxiety over on God and leave it in his hands. Why? Because Jesus said our heavenly father knows our needs and he will meet every need if we seek first the kingdom and his righteousness. The psalmist said in Psalm 55, verse 22, cast your burden on the Lord and he shall sustain you. He shall never permit the righteous to be moved. Therefore, when these cares come into our mind, we are to cast them on the Lord, our burdens, our worries. And the scripture says once and for all on the Lord and trust him with them. Now, of course, this is easier saying it than practicing it. And I'm telling you this by experience. The constant pressure on our minds about so many of these cares can truly wear a person down. Even though we pray, even though we commit these cares to the Lord, they have a habit of always coming back like a boomerang. Have you ever experienced that? You pray about something, you commit it into the Lord's hands, and here the care comes back again. Have you had this experience? I've had it many times. It's just like a boomerang. You throw them over on God, you pray about it, you commit them to the Lord, but they have a habit of coming back into your mind. Am I, am I speaking to people who know what I'm talking about? Hallelujah. In such cases... I have found help and relief from them by doing two things. First, we need to set our will against these cares and worries. And second, we need to replace the care in our minds with a promise from God. Now, here is how we should practice this. Every time, the devil brings some care to your mind. Learn to speak out loud, saying, Worry, I resist you in the name of Jesus. Care, I cast you out of my mind in Jesus' name. And quote out loud the word of God saying, I have rolled all my cares, all my worries, all my anxieties over on the Lord. Why? Because he cares for me affectionately and he cares about me watchfully. Quote the word of God and start meditating on the promise of God rather than worrying about that situation. You see, worry is meditating on the devil's lies and that's his job. He will never stop tempting you with worry and anxiety, trying to weigh you down and cause the word of God that you receive to become unfruitful in your life. And you need to learn that we are not warring or fighting against flesh and blood here. We are warring 
against principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. And the only thing the devil is terrified of is the word of God coming out of your mouth. Job chapter 22, verse 28 says the following. You will also declare a thing and it will be established for you. So light will shine on your ways. Listen carefully. Declaring out loud our freedom from these cares and worries causes the word of God to be established in our lives. The light of God's word shines on our path when declarations of faith are made. Amen. So you need to learn how to address these worries, how to speak to them because they are spirits and they have one mission in mind that is to weigh you down and cause the word of God to become unfruitful. And we need to know how to resist them the way that I've described it to you. Another verse of scripture which I found very helpful when dealing with these cares and anxieties and worries is found in Philippians chapter 4 and verse 6. Philippians chapter 4 verse 6 and 7. The word of God says, don't worry about anything. I'm, I'm reading from the New Living Translation. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he has done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard our hearts and our minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And so we... We need to come to terms with this, that as long as we live on this earth, we're going to have to face these temptations. And the temptation to worry is a very strong one, especially living in the days that we now live in. The demands of life, the pressures of life, the cares of raising children in this age, the, the care of providing for your family, all of these things, they, they really um, are real. And, but we are in another kingdom. We are not of this world. We have a heavenly father who truly cares for us and a father who watches over us because he loves us with an everlasting love. And he says, I will take care of all of these things if you will just do one thing, seek my kingdom, seek my righteousness. Many years ago, when I went into the ministry, the Lord gave me an instruction. He said, son, if you take care of my people, of my house, I promise you I will take care of your house. And I found that to be so true, and I've experienced the faithfulness of God. And, and praise God for that. We need to realize, as I've mentioned to you, that our battle is not against flesh and blood. We are fighting against wicked spirits, constantly warring against us. And the only weapon of offense we have is the word of the living God. They're terrified of the word, but it has to come out of your mouth. It's no good being in the book. It's no good just being in your mind. You have to speak that word. And that is how Jesus defeated the evil one by using the word of God. 
He said to him, it is written, it is written. And he quoted the word of God. This is how we will also defeat the evil one, by declaring the promises of God. It is written, God cares for me affectionately and cares about me watchfully. If I have thrown my care on the Lord, I must believe and trust that he is working on that situation. So there's no need for both of us to care. If he cares, I am without care. Just say, I couldn't care. I will not care. The psalmist said, I will not fear. The same way that you deal with fear is the same way that we should deal with care, with worry and anxiety. And it's good to talk to yourself sometimes. You ever practice that? I mean, David often talked to himself and said, my soul, why are you cast down? Hope thou in God. My soul, rejoice in the Lord. Talk to yourself and tell him. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, as Jesus said, which today is, tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you and care for you, O you of little faith? What's wrong with you? Just pull yourself by the ear and talk to yourself. This is how we overcome, and it is something we learn and we grow in it. It doesn't happen automatically. So that's the first thing that we need to learn how to deal with these cares. They are constant. They are burdensome. And if we allow them, we will become depressed and not... uh, and and weigh heavily on us. You are to throw these cares, the care of our children, the care of, of providing, the care of building a career, of establishing yourself. Roll those cares once and for all, as the scripture says on the Lord. Now, the second thorn, which Jesus dealt with, he said, it is the deceitfulness of riches. Now, that's in. That's that's important. Why did Jesus call riches deceitful? I believe because wealth and riches have the tendency to make us believe that wealth and riches are the answer to all of our problems. Now, of course, if you believe this lie, you will end up chasing riches and money rather than pursuing the Lord and his kingdom. This is a very deceitful trap, deceitful trap of the enemy. Listen to what Paul, writing to his, his spiritual son, Timothy, he had this to say concerning this issue. Let's read that together. 1 Timothy chapter 6, beginning with verse 6 through to verse 10. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 6 through to 10. He says to Timothy, now godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and clothing with ease, we shall be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and harmful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, for which some have strayed from the faith in their greediness and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. 
Now let's take a moment and analyze what Paul said carefully and not say things he didn't say. First of all, he didn't say money or riches is a root of all evil, but the love of it is. Now there's a difference. It's a heart attitude. Money can be a wonderful servant, but a terrible master. If we set our heart on money, you can be sure that money will break our hearts. The word says it will cause us to wander from the faith and pierce ourselves with many griefs and sorrows. People who set their heart on riches fall into temptations and traps and into many foolish, the word of God says, and harmful desires that plunge men into ruin and destruction. Let me say this. The love of money can expose us to powerful temptations that ruin many, many people. Riches obtained the world's way without the Lord's blessing. They carry within them a curse and a destructive influence. It's important that we realize that. But... Hear this, riches that are obtained by the Lord's blessing, they add no sorrow. Look at Proverbs chapter 10 and verse 22. It says, the blessing of the Lord makes one rich and he adds no sorrow with it. Amen. So we need to interpret those portions of Scripture and rightly divide the word of truth. There's nothing wrong with riches and money. Praise God. If our heart is set on the Lord, the Lord will give us those things. But it's important that we do not stray from the faith pursuing the blessing or pursuing the riches and the money rather than pursuing the Lord's presence. Because the word says it is the blessing of the Lord that makes us rich. And when God makes you rich, there's no sorrow with it. There's no destructive influence with it. Amen. In fact, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, I think 18 says, It is the Lord that gives you the power to create wealth in order to establish his covenant on the earth. Now, let me give you the antidote for this, the antidote for greediness and the pursuit of riches is godliness with contentment. Now, godliness is a God-centered life, puts God first. It grows not through the pursuit of a process, but through the presence of the person of Jesus Christ. Contentment is finding joy in what God has given you. That's important. The opposite of contentment is greed, which destroys your capacity to enjoy what God has given. Let us be thankful in what we have. Let us praise God for his blessing. Let us pursue the presence of the Lord. Amen. And in our pursuit of his kingdom, and doing things the way God does things, the Lord will add those things to us without us striving and worrying and caring 
and doing some of the things that the world does in order to obtain those things. Amen? Now, contentment is a Christian grace that grows over time. It does not come quickly, easily, or naturally. Paul says, I have learned to be content. So we see here it is something we learn over time as we experience life. We become thankful. We become content in what God has blessed us with and we give him thanks and praise for it. Paul goes on to admonish Timothy saying, But you, O man of God, flee these things. And then he says, Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, patience, and gentleness. So when it comes to the cares of the world, we are to cast them on the Lord and trust him with it. When it comes to the deceitfulness of riches, we are to flee this temptation and pursue righteousness, godliness with contentment, faith, love, patience, and goodness. And that's the second thorn. The third thorn is the desires for other things. Now, let me say this. There's nothing wrong with desires as long as they are in line with God's purpose for our lives. Carnal desires after other objects, whatever those objects might be, which are pleasing to the sensual mind, entering our hearts and gaining ascendancy there, choke the word and it becomes unfruitful. Now, these desires, being more attentive to, to them than the word of God will influence our life more than God will have influence. In other words, if we keep feeding these desires, they will take over our lives. Now, let me give you some examples. Sports can become a passionate desire which consumes more time than the Word of God. Amen? Pleasure is another desire. Any desire that we feed more than our desire for God and His presence can become destructful and harmful. For instance, the desire to be recognized, the desire for success, the desire for security outside of God, the desire for approval, etc., can cause the Word of God also to become ineffective in our lives and put us on a path that we pursue those desires more than we pursue God. Now, there are also desires, the Bible says, which are godly and they are spirit-led. These are placed in our hearts if we choose to delight ourselves in the Lord. A good verse of scripture concerning this is Psalms 37 and verse 4. Psalm 37 and verse 4 says the following, Delight yourself also in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. What a beautiful promise from God. If we are content with the Lord, our intimacy with him, walking with the Lord, fellowshipping with God, and we delight ourselves in this wonderful relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ, the Bible promises that the Lord himself 
will give us the desires of our hearts. Amen. That, that is a wonderful promise from God. In other words, he will put those desires in your heart which are godly, which are helpful, but provided you we learn to take joy and find contentment, not outside of the Lord, but within the frame of our relationship and our intimacy with the Lord. If we make the Lord Jesus our delight, he will give us desires, I believe, that are far higher and far greater and far richer than this world's desires. And God promises that if we delight ourselves in him, Isaiah 58 and verse 14 has a wonderful promise for those who learn to delight themselves in the Lord. Listen to what he says. He will cause us to ride on the high hills of the earth and he will feed us with the heritage of Jacob, our father. Wonderful promise from God. The way we deal with carnal and sensual desires is by choosing. Choosing what? To delight ourselves in the Lord, allowing his spirit and his love to consume us with his kind of desires. And the psalmist said again in Psalm 16 and verse 11, You will show me, Lord, the path of life, for in your presence is fullness of joy. And at your right hand, he says, are pleasures forevermore. Wonderful promise from God. Now, these are the, the thorns that Jesus spoke about. You see, the enemy has five weapons by which to render the word of God ineffective in our lives. The first two we dealt with in our previous lesson. The first one is affliction. Persecution is the next. The cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things. If we keep those things out and we learn how to deal with them, we learn how to wage war, then the word of God promises that we will bring a bountiful harvest in stages. First, 30-fold, then 60-fold, then a 100-fold return. The word will always produce a good crop in our lives, provided we keep that word in our hearts, we take the weeds out, we guard over our hearts so that these thorns do not enter in and choke the word. And God promises that there will come a time, not overnight, nothing works instantly in the kingdom of God. Consistency and continuity in the word is the key. It will come, there will come a time when our lives will be fruitful and others will look at us and eat of the fruit of the word of God that is produced from our obedient lives. Amen. Praise the Lord. Did you learn now anything today and learning how to deal with these thorns, the thorny issues? That's why I've titled this message, Dealing with Thorny Issues. Praise God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your precious word today. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for teaching us how to deal with these thorns. Showing us in a practical way what to do with the cares and the worries and the anxieties of this life. 
And also, Lord, how to avoid the trap of the deceitfulness of riches and the love for money. We pray that you will keep our hearts faithful and pure and loyal to you by your grace, that we may have you as the center of our focus and the center of our pursuit. Thank you for placing godly desires in our hearts, and we give you praise and thanks for your delight to bless us with your blessings, Lord. And we give you thanks for Jesus, and we give you thanks for his sacrifice. And I pray for my fellow believers, Lord, wherever they may be, that you would guard their hearts, help them to guard the hearts from all of these things that render your word ineffective in our lives. And I commit them to you, and I know, Father, you're able to keep those whom I commit to you today. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. For additional resources or more information about this ministry, come and visit us at alphaomegaint.org.za.